You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I am good, Eric. Um, kind of a weird drought without NBA basketball, at least for Bucks fans, uh, in the middle of this week. We're, we're halfway through the off period, I guess. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, and the Bucks don't play until Friday night, so... It seems like forever since we've had a basketball game to talk about, and we can't even really justify previewing a game tonight since we're still uh, a couple days away. So, uh, so that's a little strange, but it means we have some time to catch up on other big picture important topics that um, we really should have talked about or are great to talk about, enjoyable to talk about. Um, and fortunately, the little break in the schedule gives us some time to uh, to do that. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of some fun stuff. Uh, the, the only other thing I was to say, like news and notes from kind of around the league, uh, Victor Oladipo went down tonight with what some are speculating. I mean, it's a knee injury. I think some are speculating patella uh, for Oladipo. And I, if you saw the play, it was – I. I don't even know how to explain it totally. Like he was kind of chasing down Pascal Siakam and just appeared to slip. And from there, like, I don't think really any of us would have guessed that that type of movement could cause a serious injury, but he immediately kind of started yelling and the trainer came out and threw a towel over his knee to try to hide it so other people can see it and they stretched him out and uh obviously we don't have a, a further update other than he's going to get an mri and we'll find out more but it does appear to be an injury that is uh is quite serious and obviously you know if you're if you're standing watching which i don't Frank, when you admire the Bucks at top of the standings, do you actually go down the rest of them, or is it just just purely looking at the top? I don't know if you look at the rest of the standings, but obviously, uh, looking at the rest of the standings, the Pacers are uh, obviously a playoff team, a team that the Bucks have struggled with uh, thus far this season, and you know, a team that is sitting in the top half of the Eastern Conference playoffs at the moment. So uh, they still managed to win the game, which is pretty impressive stuff. Um, but, well, they might have lost their best player for the rest of the season. Yeah, I remember thinking um, when he went out with basically a kneecap, you know, basically to rest the basically a, an issue around his kneecap early this season. And there was speculation that, you know, he was listed as out indefinitely and, I mean, I forget who it was. Somebody kind of retweeted something from earlier this season, or some some discussion from earlier this season that like if they don't, if they didn't give him a long chance to heal, um, that you know he could really be in in trouble. And um, I think everything we're seeing, kind of you know, again, this is all you know, 
uh, amateur slash Twitter uh, diagnoses. <laughs> so take it for what you will. But it, you know, I think people are saying it looked like his kneecap was dislocated um, in the injury tonight. So um, it looks like, you know, again, like it's probably related to that, that previous injury. And I, I remember when hearing just that he was going to be out indefinitely and suggest, you know, suggestions that he could be out for a while thinking, well, so much for the Pacers being, you know, a top four contender. And to their credit, they went seven and four without him. Um, he, he has not been as good as he was last year uh, this season. I'm sure part of it is probably related to, you know, some of the injury concerns. Um, but, you know, obviously, look, uh, Indiana, I give a lot of credit to Nate McMillan. He's done a great job. I was not a believer in Nate McMillan, you know, when he was hired. I thought there was a kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors at angle to, to what they did last year and i i did not I mean, expect them to be... shit at the start of the year when the bucks took it to him i was like yeah yeah like, one team that. has a good shot profile the other one doesn't like how are the yeah. pacers gonna exist yeah but they've uh especially defensively i mean they've been very they've been really legit i mean we saw them lock down Giannis and the bucks in, in indiana last time they played so um you know this is a team that i think you still kind of felt like they didn't have the kind of you know top end talent there's something just something about them didn't feel like this was a team that you know have the same upside to come out of the East as I would argue the other teams that we commonly talk about um, atop the East. But I mean, Indiana, they were ahead of Boston. They were ahead of Philly before going into this game tonight and they still beat the Raptors. So, um, you know, even without, uh, without uh, Oladipo, granted Kawhi sat out again. I, Kawhi just is sitting out lots of games. now. I, I don't, it seems like he hasn't played in like a few games now. Um, mm-hmm. And up until tonight they hadn't really missed him but uh but yeah it's been um you know it's obviously a huge blow for the pacers and um you know obviously you don't want your favorite team to benefit from other guys suffering serious injuries but clearly this is you know really good news for you know again qualifying really good news right not the way you would want it but in terms of you know what this means for boston and philly in particular and the threat that indiana could be better than them all year um obviously this, this makes it very difficult for the Pacers. And again, I don't think the Pacers are going to just fall off the face of the earth. Uh, they were terrible without Oladipo last year, this year, as I mentioned, seven and four, they've been very good without him. Um, but clearly like, you know, I mean, you lose a guy of that caliber. Um, it's, it's a major blow. And just a reminder too, you know, as a, you know, enjoying this kind of renaissance of a buck season, you kind of just have to remember it's, you know, your one key player, away from suffering some freak injury and um, and things just change really, really quickly. So, you know, we can kind of play around with, man, well, what are the Bucks' chances of winning these, you know, go to the finals, all this stuff. But, you know, obviously if this happens to Giannis, that's gone, you know, or, or mm-hmm. even Bledsoe or Middleton, you know, if you lose a guy or Lopez, right? You think about how much a lot of these guys have meant to, to what the Bucks are doing. And you lose one of those guys. I mean, the the degree of difficulty. You know, we we don't know exactly how much it's going to change, but clearly it uh, it becomes a lot harder. So, um, so yeah, injuries suck. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunately part of the, part of the game. But um, you know, you just you just hope you you can keep your your best players and everybody can stay healthy and um, you know you can live up to the potential you have as a team. Because I think certainly you, know, you look at the box and you kind of sit back. You're like, man pretty good fortune with injuries so far and you just hope that this is going to be one of those years where uh, where that all continues yeah uh i was talking about that with bill michaels today when i was on his show and it was just like he was just like you know what 
could they handle an injury or, or something of that nature? And like, you know, I, I think we have talked about the Bucks' depth throughout the season, and you know, the ability for them to go like a couple guys deep. But you know, that would be kind of the moment where not having three superstars or whatever it may be uh, like, like you're the Warriors or, I mean, even if you're like the Philadelphia 76ers where you have Butler and Bede and Simmons, like, okay, you can, you can lose a, a rotation guy and still kind of keep going because you have that top end talent. You know, if, if you do lose a, a Middleton, like you're probably not gonna be able to replace that. It's same thing with uh Bledsoe, same thing with, with Brogdon, with Lopez, like all of those guys have been, you know, so significant to what this Bucks team does on a night to night basis that, you know, things would get really tough uh, if any of those guys go down. Uh, and again, like you might be able to replicate some of it, but I just don't, you're not going to hum along the same way. And, you know, I didn't even mention a Giannis injury, but obviously a Giannis injury totally changes uh, how, how this team would, would ever play or how you could ever project this team uh, going forward for the rest of the season. So um, yeah, you know, you hate to see it. I'm getting very tired of uh, tweeting out hashtag ban injuries, but that's pretty much where we're at, where it's just like, you see a crappy injury and it just sucks. Like there, there's really nothing to me. There's nothing else you can really say about it other than it just flat out sucks. And you know, you're going to have to deal with it and you're going to have to see if that, that team can get through. And for, for the Pacers, it's probably going to be tough to see any top end uh, potential, see any like real uh, playoff advancement potential from that team without Oladipo. But um, you know, at the, at the same time, injuries happen and, you know, everyone's got to kind of deal with them. So uh, we'll see where that goes from there. Sorry, that was a sad, depressing kind of swerve over to injuries and stuff, stuff like that. But you did mention uh, something nice that we wanted to talk about. And um, over the weekend, I think it would have been now. Um, the it was, I think, now- I think it was during the game on Saturday, right, that the news became yeah, well leaked out i think matt velasquez reported it first your arch nemesis matt velasquez um the the very much hated matt um yeah no so it it leaked out there but uh marcus johnson uh current bucks color commentator and former bucks great and former nba great uh is getting his number eight retired uh, and that will go up in the rafters at Pfizer form first number retired at Pfizer form first number retired for the bucks since Bobby D's number was retired uh, under the new ownership group in 2015 I believe Um, so it'll be the first number that goes up in in a little while first one to go up in Pfizer form and it's something that you know I've had I mean, and my most recent mailbag at The Athletic, I had a question about it. And quite honestly, you know, like there's always like whispers that, oh, yeah, you know, they'll they'll eventually do it. But, you know, I I just thought after so many years, you're like, are they ever actually going to do it? And I, you know, I had my doubts that it was ever going to happen, but now it does. And uh, I mean, I think it's great news and uh, great for, for Bucks fans to be able to celebrate everything that Marcus uh, was able to do with the organization. Yeah, there was, um, I don't, I forget what year it was, but um, before, certainly well before Marcus returned, 
uh, I, I did like a series at Brew Hoop where we were like looking at like the all time greatest bucks. And um, Marcus was a guy that I really didn't fully appreciate how great he was in Milwaukee until I kind of just like dug into the numbers and just sort of looked at, you know, what the career, you know, looking at career leaders across all these different, um, across all these different statistical categories um, for the Bucks And um, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, an elite player for a pretty extended period in the grand scheme of, you know, kind of the, the NBA and, um, you know, a guy that made all-star teams, all NBA teams, um, you know, he was a high draft pick. It wasn't like he came out of nowhere or something like something like that. Um, and, uh, they were hugely successful, you know, in, in a lot of his, his very good years. Um, you know, he finishes his Bucks career, uh, averaging 21 points per game, even pretty much even with Glenn Robinson and Flynn Robinson, uh, as the behind, uh, Kareem, who's at 30.4 points per game as a uh, kind of, you know, career leaders, um, for the Bucks. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm also sort of, I think, you know, I don't want to think he was just a sore or something like that. You know, he's also um, third in career, uh, again, basically tied for second with a bunch, number of other guys in career, you know, PER in Bucks history, you know, pretty much a lot of these numbers, you know, Kareem obviously just tends to lead everything. Um, and then Marcus is like right there behind it, you know, win shares, Marcus third behind Kareem and Sidney Moncrief, um, box plus minus third behind Kareem and Alvin Robertson, interesting a uh, great defensive player um, value over replacement players second behind Sidney Moncrief. Um, I think the cream stats are a little skewed there. Cause I think they just didn't have the data pre- previous to that. So, you know, again, second or third, however you want to pick it. So um, I, I thought the interesting thing, you know, when I came away of doing that sort of study of like the greatest bucks of all time, I, I think there's a very good case that, that Marcus was the third best buck of all time. Um, and, you know, Sidney Moncrief, I think has a, has a pretty good case to be the the second best just because of his all around play. Um, you know, I, I think Kareem is at this point easily the first, uh, and then you know Oscar wasn't you know, again. Oscar wasn't here very long. I don't think he's he, he he is maybe the second most talented basketball player to ever play for the Bucks, but he did not have the second best career in Milwaukee by any stretch. Um, and so- honestly, by the end of his career, like it, and again, he, Oscar would be furious at me for even suggesting something like this, but um, he wasn't the guy that he was like, he, he was not a shell of himself, but uh, you know, just thinking of the idea of Oscar Robertson being someone that was, you know, picking his spots, bringing the ball up the floor, getting cream into sets. Like that's not like Oscar Robertson, Roberts, like that's not big O stuff. Like that's, that was like end of his career. So yes, I, I think you're you're justified in saying that, Frank. Uh, and, and I mean, I mean, Oscar was still very good, especially in the first year yeah. when they won the championship that he was here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think again, he'd Marcus, kick both of our asses for saying this. Yeah, well, he. I think Marcus is or uh, Oscar is one of those like delusional old guys who like doesn't think current players are better than you know old players. So yes. um, you know, uh, whatever. Um, I'm just going to say that uh, there's definitely a get off my lawn type uh, aspect to, I think Oscar, uh, by the way, you know what it's, it sucks. Cause I've like watched awesome, some like Oscar, like YouTube games and things like that. Mm-hmm. I got to say he, he might have the worst highlight reels of like any all time great player. Like, yep. And I'm, I'm going to say this without judgment, but like nothing he did looked particular. Like he w- was physically like bigger, stronger than certainly like point guards. Obviously he was like six, four and you know, an arrow and obviously, you know, 
you had a lot of big guys who weren't like that much taller than him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like very, str- very old, pretty much always had like old man game. Like, I feel like all the highlight rolls are just like slow-mo him shooting like one hit. Like, like even like dunking, ranking super athletic plays. It's kind of hard to see. I don't know. Kind of a weird player. But anyway, um, not to spend this time denigrating Oscar uh, because this is about celebrating Marcus. And uh, yeah, obviously incredible college player, incredible player for the Bucks, And, um, you know, just a great story, I think, because uh, I think, you know, Marcus is the first person to admit it, right? Like he left Milwaukee under not great circumstances, right? Um, he was at a, I think, bad life, bad point in his career when he left. Um, bad blood between him and the organization. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty beautiful thing how I think he matured and I think Milwaukee, you know, now, and, and he's talked about this, how people embraced him when he came back and were able to appreciate, um, you know, even people like us who didn't get to see him play um, came to appreciate really what he, he did with his career, right? And I'm sure a lot of people obviously still think of him as like, oh, Bucks here first and foremost, but I think the vast majority of Bucks fans have grown to understand just how good he was, how elite of a player he was um, for some very, very elite teams. And, um, you know, the the original point forward, um, as Don Nelson coined him um, back in the day, um, he, uh, he obviously embodied some of the things that um you know we, we tend to associate with the game now in terms of you know bigger players handling the ball bring the ball up um and and doing kind of things that, that you think of more more guards doing so um it's great and look i mean you always want to see good players get their due but i personally i mean i was just i've been i've been really excited for when this happens because you know, it has become an, an inevitability. Like the only reason he wasn't retired long ago was because of just the way, you know, he left the organization and, you know, uh, whatever politics basically. Um, but for him to come back for the new ownership group, you know, big kudos to them for embracing the older, you know, the, the past bucks more broadly, like Bob Dandridge, obviously another good example, but kudos to them for, you know, really welcoming Marcus back. Um, kudos to Marcus for being a great color commentator. So it's been all the more fun having him back in town and having him back be part of the the Bucks um, family. And um, I don't know. I I I mean, it's kind of. I mean, on some level, I'm also kind of surprised that Bob Dandridge got retired before Marcus because I don't think there's any real comparison. I mean, Bob Dandridge was a great player and under as well. Um, I don't think you know he was. A, a Marcus Johnson level player either um, play all-time career leader in minutes. So Bobby D was around, you know, definitely was a long time um, was part of the championship team was a really elite player, but, um, but yeah, I think uh, it's just a great story for, for Marcus, for the organization. And um, I've been trying to figure out March 24th is the, uh, the, the date of the, the Jersey retirement. I've been trying to figure out if I can find some way to, to get back to that. Cause I think it's going to be just a great, um, a great time to, to be back. And um, I'm excited to, uh, if nothing else, watch it on TV and, you know, it clearly means a lot to Marcus and you just have to feel happy for, you know, a guy who just really embraces, you know, loves the game, loves the Bucks. Milwaukee loves him. It's just a great story. Yeah. How wild would it have been if he was a bad color commentator? Like, what if he was like really bad at it and after a year, like it didn't work out? Maybe, maybe he doesn't get his job. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe, maybe it could have yeah, gone yeah. that way. Well, then it would have been better if he, you know, was a guy who was this time and had his jersey retired before then. That that would have been less awkward, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like there's, it's undeniable all of those things that you just said. Like you know, the just the, and to me, that's always the thing that's like super striking about Marcus is just um, how much he loves the game 
and then how much he how much he appreciates sort of all of the the smaller things that go into the game whether that's like the history of the game uh and you know appreciating the game of the past and you know like what he used to do um just the idea that he can comprehend that like oh like these guys are great as well like you know we did things differently in our time but but now it's even better and um I, I just think the the way that he goes about things and uh, just the the way that he's always trying to learn and improve as a broadcaster, I think, is instructive of how he played as as a player for the Bucks. Like I just remember the the first broadcast Marcus was on, he dropped uh, like an advanced stat on how long it was taking teams to get the ball up the floor. And if you slowed them down and kept them from getting the ball across half court, like it, you would be able to take the expected points per possession down like a certain number. And it was just like, what the hell did the new color guy just drop a uh, like super advanced stat on all of us? Like that was awesome. And like, you know, as, as I got to know Marcus and talk to him, it's like, yeah, he, he studies that stuff. Like he loves that stuff. Like he, he loves the game and he's always trying to learn things. He's always reading things. And like, then when you look at his game, like he comes in, he uh, is just fantastic as a rookie. uh, And then he's just short of rookie of the year that year. Then he goes second year, goes up to 25 points per game, just tearing it up. And then, you know, Don Nelson's like, hey, man, uh, I, I don't need you to score 25 points per game anymore. Like, I, w- I want you to worry about playmaking a little bit more. I want you to worry about defense. I, I want you to, you know, have a little bit more well-rounded game. Uh, and Marcus was just like, yeah, I'm in. I'll do it. And I get, he just totally embraced that. And, you know, like, as I was doing my book, there's this this – excellent sports illustrated article that i was reading about how you know there there was a time when uh his contemporaries in the eastern conference at that time would have been larry bird and julia serving like those those were the guys that he was going up against and you know like there there was this just great article that was like you know like you don't want to say he's the new dr j but in many ways he's the new Dr. J because he's so athletic. And then, you know, like he also kind of mixes in the, the stuff that Larry bird does where, you know, he just sees the game really well. He understands the game really well. He makes really great passes and, you know, he's able to impact the game in all these ways. And it was just like, as I was reading it, it was like, again, you know, I didn't get to live through it, but it was just like, Holy shit. This dude was as good as Dr. J and Larry bird. Like, that's that's what I came away saying. And, you know, like Marcus had some great quotes, like, I don't fear Larry Bird. Like, I'm better than Larry Bird. Like, all this stuff. And, like, again, you think of, like, the the legends of this game and, and who goes up there at the top. And, you know, he wasn't beaten up on uh, black uh, tennis shoes, broken back Larry Bird in the early 90s. Like, he was going to head-to-head with him in the early eighties and was getting the better of him. Like that was what Marcus Johnson did. And, you know, like just as I was reading, as I was writing that book, like it, it just 
really stood out to me just how good he was. Uh, and then obviously, you know, he has a, a couple bad injuries and, you know, his, his life doesn't go quite the way that he wants. He loses his uh, son at like a year and a half and uh, he gets caught up in drugs and like it, it, there's just like a, just a heartbreaking story there where, you know, like the future, I shouldn't even say the future because he, at, by that point he was, he was in, he was an incredible basketball player. Like he, he was still across, I think eight or nine seasons putting up 20 points per game and great numbers on rebounds and assists. But like it, you just kind of have to think through like what could have been if, you know, some, some really bad breaks in life, like, don't fall against him. If instead of those things happening, things just work out and, you know, then, then it's not, Oh, are the bucks going to retire his number? It's, Oh, is he going to be, is he going to be one of the, the better players of, of that generation? And, you know, at, at that point, at the way his career started with how great it started to begin with, like, Okay, you know, all of a sudden, you know, when they're announcing the top 50 players at the 50th NBA anniversary, like maybe Marcus is in there. Like all of those things could have happened if things just go slightly different. And, you know, I, I mean, it speaks to, you know, the human condition and, you know, things not going perfectly. And, you know, you can kind of say the same thing about those 80s Bucks teams that, you know, they just didn't happen to get everything right in one year where uh, they could have had it. And, you know, you're always chasing perfection and always chasing the, the championship and then they just never got it. And, you know, you do wonder if they were able to get it in one of those years, like, is Marcus already thought of much differently than he is now? Like, so th there's just so many things like that. And I think it's a great opportunity for, for people to hopefully get to know more about Marcus, learn more about him. And, you know, hopefully as, as time goes on, appreciate him even more than they do now. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many, of our listeners are old enough to, to really know Marcus. So, you know, if, if you are old enough, you know, shoot us a, a tweet at lockdown bucks or shoot us an email at lockdown bucks at gmail.com and, you know, let us know what you kind of remember about Marcus. And, you know, if you weren't old enough to see it, go look up some Marcus highlights. Like you're going to be, I think really impressed with the way that he played and you're going to find yourself thinking like, huh, that dude probably could have played now. Like just Booth, as athletic as he was, as graceful as he was, with as well as he understood the game. So you know, there's just a lot to love there, and uh, it's it's a it's a long overdue honor, and one like I said that I was worried, uh, you know, it just might not ever happen, and it's it's great to see that it is. Yeah, I mean, you look at his career, his age 29 season, which was his second year in LA. Um, he makes the All Star game, uh, makes the All Star team, scores 20 points per game that year. Um, they had the comeback player of the year award back then he wins that. Um, and you know, it looks like he's, he's kind of getting, uh, or continuing really his, his career and trajectory, um, in LA the following season plays 10 more games, only, only 10 games. The next two seasons misses both due to neck injuries, um, comes back in 89, 90 with the Warriors only plays 10 games and then ultimately retires for good. So, um, you know, you just think about that, right? I mean, you think about how many great players right now are, you know, 29 years old, right? I mean, Eric Bledsoe's 29. Um, I think James Harden's maybe 28, something like that. Uh, you know, you just think of these guys as, well, they got years and years and years left of high-level performance, right? Like Jimmy Butler, right? You think of these guys um, at that stage of their career that they have still, you know, 
a lot of their prime left. And, you know, Marcus, unfortunately, um, you know, the injuries obviously just robbed him of, um, you know, a number of years of potential, you know, continued all-star play. And I think Marcus has also said, you know, I think going to LA allowed him to mature because he kind of got to see the other side of the world playing for the Clippers, right? You know, as much as maybe he didn't see eye to eye with, um, you know, Bucks ownership um, or Bucks management, um, you know, LA was an eye opener too, because that obviously with Donald Sterling was, um, let's just say the grass was not greener, you know? Um, and um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think the, the, it's a happy ending ultimately, you know, Marcus obviously has been very successful since, um, since leaving the game and, um, you know, has uh, uh, raised successful kids and um, basketball family, you know, uh, the, 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 the bloodline has continued. Um, I don't think anybody knows as much about California basketball at any level no as Marcus, you know, like he no just starts whenever he sees a guy who played you know, high school basketball in California, he can recite, you know, the AAU team, the guy played for and who his coach was and what high school and, you know, wherever, um, you know, he just, like you said, I mean, he loves basketball. He loves the NBA obviously, but loves all levels of the game. Um, obviously has been successful as a broadcaster. Uh, you know, it's ironic. I, I did not see white men can't jump until like a year ago. What? I'd never seen it. Uh, I've seen basically very, I, it's funny. I love movies and I love sports, but I really don't generally enjoy sports movies. So I've seen, I saw blue chips a couple years ago. I've, I've never seen Hoosiers. Um, I'm trying to think of what other like basketball movies there are, but basically I've seen blue chips and white men can't jump. Um, but you know, Marcus had a, uh, a scene stealing performance in white men can't jump where obviously his basketball skills are helpful, but you know, I mean, he's having to act right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that that was maybe obviously one positive of, uh, going back to California, obviously UCLA star, but going back to California, um, maybe got to, to, work on his acting chops and, and obviously all that, you know, kind of makes sense when you think about the kind of personality he is and, you know, the kind of energy and charisma he brings to, uh, to a, a Bucks game. Um, you know, he's obviously always had that and has translated in, uh, in, in multiple medium mediums, uh, on screen, whether it's, um, commentating or, or acting. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's just fun to have Marcus in our lives in, in the way that it is now. It's just a, it's just a great, you know, full circle thing. And as you said, I mean, you know, it, it, uh, it's obviously great that, you know, that personality is, uh, shines through and that he's so good at what he does because it makes it even more fun to, um, you know, see this happen to him. Right. I mean, I think again, it's, uh, it feels like something great happening for a number of the Bucks family. Right. And obviously we're all fans and, you know, most of us have never met Marcus or hung out with him. Um, but he's the kind of guy you kind of feel like you, you know, just because of the way he, he acts, <laughs> carries himself. I mean, you know, I've, you know, you tweet and he'll tweet back at you and respond. He's like very open. He loves engaging with fans. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a great, great story. And, you know, I think again, you think about, um, being able to connect with, uh, with players from, you know, the past guys that, you know, I never saw Marcus play live. I, obviously, um, it's, it's very cool that it doesn't matter to me. Right. Like I've, I, I've, I know enough to know he was great. And obviously you, you appreciate what he does now. And, um, it's just fun. It's going to be a great celebration, obviously on the, the 24th of March and can't think of, you know, anybody that would deserve it more at this point than, than Marcus. Yeah, it's, it is truly great stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, 
it was also perfect that, you know, during the broadcast, like, you know, Jim and Marcus got to have that moment and Jim got to, I mean, not purposely try to bring Marcus to tears, but, you know, you could just tell how much it meant to him in that moment. Like you could, you could see it on his face and uh, you could see it with, uh, you know, some awkward close one shots of, of Marcus, but um, yeah, it was just, it was really cool. And um, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's really cool. I don't really have any, it, any other words beyond that. Go ahead. It, it would have been the only thing that would have been better would have been if it was like leaked during or not leaked, but like if it had been announced during a game in Milwaukee that Marcus was actually broadcasting, and you know, like if it could have been Marcus and then getting announced on the on the billboard like during the game that you know yeah. this was going to happen, so that basically we could celebrate it twice. <laughs> you know, that yeah. would have been that would have been even better, right? Because obviously, um, I mean, it felt like only a matter of time. Um, and uh, and and now that Matthew Delvadova is gone, you know, the number eight is open, <laughs> right? Because heaven forbid you can never could have uh, you know uh, retired the number eight while Delhi was wearing it. Um, of course that. I, think you could have easily done that but anyway um but yes uh i guess when when delhi returns in glory uh three years from now he'll just have to find a different number so sorry sorry matthew um now let's get big dogs number retired is that a hot take i feel like i've Um, seen some people that don't think it should get retired because that bucks team didn't have much beyond the uh beyond the a one run but i mean he's at, he's at like the top of so like he, i don't know i feel like it'd be strange not to have one of the franchise's leading scorers of all time like not have their jersey retired. i mean i think it, it, the bucks situation with the retired numbers is a bit awkward because um very and, awkward uh, policy 25 i think had a good like tweet storm about it the other day um, like kind of the, the historical context of it, because um, I think in, in this, he basically kind of uh, kind of summarized it basically that you know, after the Kareem trade, basically like all the guys who were pretty good in that period from like the late 70s to mid 80s, everybody who like basically was likable and pretty good at basketball <laughs> seemed to get their, their number retired. Um, so, you know, again, it's like a guy like Junior Bridgman you know, super, I mean, Junior Bridgman, maybe the most successful, like, post-NBA career of anybody with the hundreds of franchises he owns. I mean, you know, he's a, I don't know, I don't think he's a billionaire, but he's, you know, a super successful guy, all-time leader in games played. Um, but statistically, not a guy you'd look at and say, that guy should have his jersey retired. Um, Bob Lanier. Um, That's the most egregious. Yeah, one. only play, I mean, it's, played a, rel- it's ridiculous. Played a, a relatively very short time in Milwaukee and was good part of some good teams really good teams but again like there's not like a resume i mean and a great guy you know good ambassador um i was actually friends with his uh, son rob shout out to rob lanier uh in elementary school um but yeah i mean like he he should have his number retired in detroit but not in milwaukee and um you know even like you kind of go down the line i mean like brian winters probably more defensible than those guys but you know let's just say there was some jersey retirement inflation um they got a little loose uh fast and loose there for a while and so i think it just makes it i mean again like whatever you know franchises can do whatever they want like it's not some tragedy if you can't pick from as many numbers to wear as a player 
Um, I'm actually, but see, I, I don't even think it's like a problem. I just think let's apply the standard the rest of the way through. Yeah. Like let's, just, well, let's just retire numbers like crazy. I'm okay with that. Like I, I like to celebrate. Yeah. I like well, I mean, I think, it, I mean, I think the thing that like with big dog, I mean, big dog was my guy as a kid. Like I, he was my favorite bucks player. Um, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing. Cause like if you retire big dog's Jersey, then you kind of have to retire Ray Allen's Jersey, which is ironic. Cause he's also 34. Probably. Do you? I mean, do you think he played in Milwaukee long enough? It's a good question. I mean, he definitely. I mean, the he played only seventy four fewer games than Big Dog, so basically played one one less seasons <laughs> worth of uh, of games. Now he was not as prolific like at the start of his career, so he, like Ray doesn't rank as highly in um, in like as as Big Dog does. Um, but like, I mean, historically, if you go back and look at um, you know, like advanced numbers, like Ray Allen looks better than, than big dog does. So, sure. um, so it's a little bit interesting to kind of, you know, look back on them and cast them in that, that different light. Um, but Sorry, I mean, right. It's not happening. 34 is reserved for someone else, <laughs> but, um, but I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, then you can just start like saying, yeah, if big dogs in then, you know, okay. Ray Allen probably should be in and, you know, yep. Michael Red and Terry Cummings should probably be in. Yep. Um, Throw them in. And I don't know if there's anybody. Is there anybody else beyond that group? I mean, I don't know. Is like Paul Pressey then like a tier two beyond those guys? If you think about yeah, unretired probably. numbers, probably. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like an interesting. Um, those would be those are the three that stand out to me. Yeah. Cummings, Ray Allen, and Big Dog. Yeah. Cummings might now be the most underrated um, Bucks player, like his, historically good. Bucks player. Um, you know, he, he kind of was, yeah, I don't know. It's just, he was kind of like, just kind of came at a time when, you know, he was never like the real, never like kind of felt like he was the headliner guy, but then you look at his numbers and it's like, he's a monster. He was really, really good. Um, and I think he's generally under, underappreciated in general in the NBA. I mean, I remember yes. when I started watching basketball, he was kind of late stage Terry Cummings with the Spurs and David Robinson. And, you know, he, he did not look like the guy he was in Milwaukee. So um, so I don't know. It's it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting question. Um, let me ask you this: of the current Bucks, other than Giannis, do you think any of them have better than a fifty percent chance of ultimately having their jersey retired in Milwaukee? Oh, um, man, yes. Oh man, no, God, I don't know. Uh, so, I mean, here's the tough part: is you know, I think, I think Middleton's going to get a second contract, or I guess a third contract now here in Milwaukee. Um, so by the end of that, that would be <sighs> ten years in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, not many guys have. I mean, that's a lot of games in one place, and one you're going to have numbers yeah. compiled. So like that is helpful. So like he'll have a bunch of numbers, and then I think on top of that you're going to have some very good basketball teams. So by the end of it, if he's the number two guy for the end, like, uh, and again, who knows how long a run can go. We know how quickly the NBA can change, but you know, if over the next one, two, over the next like four years, they make a finals appearance, they make a couple like if they go to the Eastern Conference Finals another time, like, and then all of a sudden you have this guy that's been here for ten years, at 
a good spot on most of the the leaderboards uh, for the franchise, and he's been a part of some really successful teams, like your most successful teams in a couple decades. Like, I mean, by the end of it, I almost I almost think you have to. I mean, you almost think you almost have to say, "All right, twenty two is going up," and then I mean, it gets awkward because maybe twenty two should already be up for Michael Red, um, but. Uh, Chris, Chris is an interesting one. I will say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that. Oh, like points, total points is like the best measure of a guy whether a guy should have his jersey retired. But I think that's historically like one obvious way to kind of easily figure out like, all right, who was here a long time and did like something that's meaningful. Um, so just looking at like total points is an easy way to kind of start. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, Chris is at 6,500 career points. Um, let's just, let's say he plays like three more years here, right? You know, maybe he signs a four-year contract, but whatever gets traded eventually. Um, you know, that if he does three more years here, that would be nine, I guess, what, nine total years here. And, you know, if he scores even 1200 points a year, which is not, not that difficult given, uh, I mean, it's, he, he, you know, he'd have to be healthy basically. Um, then he'll hit 10,000 career points, um, which, is uh, definitely a major um, a major milestone, right? I mean, right now, um, you look at the top six, there's only six guys who've scored 10,000 points in Bucks history. It's Kareem, 14,000, Big Dog, 12,000, then Moncrief, Red, Dandridge, all very tightly packed around 11,500, Marcus at almost 11,000. So, um, so I think if Chris got there, and like you said, I mean, if they're extremely successful and he's like, the de facto second best player. And, you know, who knows, I guess we'll see here very soon. If he makes an all-star team, it's all-star team. Um, then I think he, he uh, definitely is in that mix, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. And if you, and if you go with like assists, so uh, if you would go Middleton last year, he had 328 assists the year of 15, 16, when he was healthy at 331 assists, he's has 180 now, um, which obviously you should put him on pace for another 300 assist season. Um, even if you go on the low end of that 200 assists in each of the next three seasons, uh, that's going to get him in the top 10 in assists, uh, career wise, uh, for the franchise. Like <laughs> there's going to be, uh, and again, like, a, I think in the end you can argue like, Oh, is he just a compiler? Which some people will do with, with the hall of fame. Like, okay, this, baseball player played 28 years and got 3000 hits. Like, does he deserve to be in or whatever it is? But I mean, by the end of it, like, eh, it, you know, Chris Middleton is going to be like on some of those lists. If he does end up signing, signing another contract here. And then, I mean, I do think there is some aspect of, Hey, uh, did your team have success? Like, I think if, if we're trying to figure out why big dogs number might not get retired, it'd be like, well, you guys didn't win anything, and when you did win things, it was only for like a like a two year kind of run. So I think that could make it a little bit more awkward as well. But that's a really I, that's a great question, Frank. It's a really interesting question as well. Yeah, and he, do you do you think it's better than fifty percent? Um, I'd say it's. it's probably re- close. I think it's really close. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably close. I mean, there's just a lot can happen, right? I mean, if he leaves the summer, then no. Um, yeah clearly no if he leaves the summer but um yeah i mean if he signs another contract and is around for the next few years and you know Giannis and company uh 
do great things, then everybody's going to look a lot better historically. <laughs> so, uh, so that helps. He'll probably, if he sticks around for three years, he'll probably be the all-time leader in three-point three-pointers. Um, which again, like, is that some magical thing? I don't know, but you know, that seems like the kind of thing people would think about when uh, when talking about someone's all-time greatness in a, in a place. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. And of course, you know, DJ Wilson, just a matter of time before his uh, <laughs> number five is retired. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, interesting, interesting topics. Do we want to talk at all about anything else tonight or is that nope. it for tonight? I, th- I think we did it. We, we somehow okay. managed to get onto a, a little trip down memory lane and asked a couple hypotheticals and now we're there. So uh, I think that's going to be it for us for today. Uh, Believe it or not, we're going to actually preview a game tomorrow, which is wild to think about. The Bucks are actually going to play, so uh, that should end up being a whole lot of fun, like, you know, actual basketball. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, so we'll have uh, the preview for you of that Hornets game on Friday, uh, and then maybe we'll... I know we teased talking about Mike Conley a little bit the other day. Uh, maybe we'll actually talk about Mike Conley uh, a little bit here coming up in the next one. Episode. Hey, can, so, I, can, I add, can I add one thing? I thought it was interesting today. I, I don't really have any thoughts on it, so we don't have to really discuss in any detail. But I thought it was interesting. Like, I, I checked Twitter, like, midday, and there was, like, I saw people tweeting about how the Bucks are interested in Rodney Hood. And I was like, I wonder where that came from. And then I said, oh, it's from Shams. I was like, oh, or Shams. And uh, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, Because obviously, you know, Shams is generally a guy that you trust to be on point. And then I looked at the actual, like, source of it. And it's, like, so interesting how, like, the telephone game sort of starts. And I'll first Mm -hmm. say, I'll first just say, like, I have no idea if the Bucks really have any interest in, in Rodney Hood. But it's interesting because the way this started was, you know, he's got, he, Shams had his column about, like, you know, trade deadline stuff. And in a section on Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, Rodney Hood was a guy that got mm-hmm. highlighted as a guy who, you know, could be shopped or whatever. And the the thing he said was the Bucks and some of what some other teams have looked for help on the wing. Correct. It was it's it's so interesting because he did not actually say that the Bucks or those two other teams actually were like actively interested in Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood. But Correct. he just said like the Bucks have looked for help on the wing. So it's like so it's not clear if they're still looking for help on the wing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are. I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, right? I, like it, you... go, I was I was gonna say, I mean, just generally to me, it's like um if if we if we are to use like the past as kind of the the way to look at these things, like do I think John Horst has hung it up and said, you know what? I'm not calling anyone about anything. Nope. I, I would guess he's going to, he's going to keep calling around. He's going to keep poking around and he's going to keep trying to, you know, kind of perfect this roster on, on the margins and see if there is, is a move to be made there. So um, I would agree. Like, do I necessarily think it, it was a call about Rodney hood? Not necessarily. I don't, I don't think it, it might've been. Um, and also maybe it was, maybe I don't even know how it, Brownie hood has like a $3.4 million deal, I think. So like, um, I don't even, I'm trying to think who would match that. Like it's like what Connaughton and like Christian Wood or, um, man, I think you just, well, 
couldn't you just do Jason Smith and just send them, I don't know, something for the trap hassle? I mean, I, again, like I think sure. Rodney Hood is like a fake good player. Like he, oh, has, I like, no, I don't think he's good. Yeah, like he's been probably. I mean, I think he's generally been very disappointing relative to sort of what people. <laughs> I mean, just watch last year's playoffs. Like, yeah. that's what you need to know. Like, yeah, he's the dude pouted kind of on a... the bench because he wasn't getting enough shots while playing with LeBron James. Like, all right, dude. Yeah, I, yeah, I. So I, I don't care about Rodney Hood really, and whatever. I'm, I'm fine. I mean, again, like the, he has sort of that like potential six man gunner scorer type thing that, on some nights, could be useful. But you just look at kind of the aggregate with him, like just. It's he's a pretty hollow kind of stats guy. Her hollow scoring guy doesn't really mm-hmm. acquire many stats other than you know some some PPGZ. Um, so anyway, yeah, but just just funny and just something to kind of think as people kind of negotiate through trade season. Just it's it's interesting to do the forensics on how these things start, um, and you know again um, that doesn't you know. Being linked, being you know, actively pursuing a guy, being linked with the team. I mean, there's just so many shades of gray to this, and it's very easy for you know a really kind of indirect sort of link to morph into like, oh, the Bucks are trying to trade for this guy. And again, maybe the Bucks are actively interested. I don't really know why they would be that interested in him if they were. Um, but uh, just sort of uh, one of the fun things about the Funhouse Mirror that you know. Uh, that gets applied to reality <laughs> during yeah. during NBA trade season. And I say earlier this week, my trade deadline, like kind of breakdown went up at the athletic Wisconsin, uh, 40% off right now. If you're interested in subscribing to the athletic, uh, you can do that. Um, but you know, like I, I wrote like, okay, the bucks have already made a trade this year. They used up like the two larger contracts that, you know, you if you needed to like even out just contracts in a trade, like those would have been helpful. Both Delhi and Henson. Um, I mean, maybe not totally helpful because you probably would have had to given up like a pick or whatever to get rid of them. But like when you're looking through the pieces that are left to make a trade on this Bucks roster, well, you have four guys in the starting lineup that are on an expiring contract. Uh, you have Giannis, who's never, ever, 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 ever getting traded. Uh, then you have youngish role player types like Thon, Dante, uh, Sterling, DJ Wilson. Like all those guys are like showing good things this year, but they're not showing superstar potential. So like there's there's not really like a trade there, and then you know you go through like the bottom end of the roster, and it's like okay, like you know there's kind of some vets there. Uh, Urson's contract is bad. Tony's contract is bad. Um, Pat's is very small. Like there's just like not you know when you're thinking of NBA trades, those type of contracts don't typically help you put together a package, whether it's something big or small. Um, you know, like there just, there just isn't really a lot there, uh, unless you're taking on salary like back. So like, okay, maybe you give up someone and then you take like, uh, so you give up Jason Smith's contract and you take 
two or three years of like a longer contract, which I don't know that I would uh, necessarily suggest or um, highlight as like a good idea, but you know, maybe you think there's a talented enough guy that their contract isn't terrible um, to take on for like a second year. So um, that, that would be the big thing I would say as well. Like I know everyone gets very excited about trade season because you know, it is fun to kind of talk through all these things, but I think just always keep in mind that, this Bucks roster might not be the most conducive to making trades. For Frank Mann, I'm Eric Dame. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.